No. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday afternoon. Hot off the WWE Royal Rumble 2023. It's Ryan Drosty. No Justin or Kyle with me to review this show, but I do have a good substitute host. In fact, he's kind of becoming, I was just saying off air, almost like the unofficial fourth host of Top Rope Nation. I've learned that when you need someone to fill in and you need a good co-host, you call Mr. Jesse Velasquez. Jesse, how are you doing today? Life's good, Ryan. I always appreciate your hospitality and the invites, and hopefully I can be two-thirds as entertaining as Kyle would be when it comes to this review. <laughs> I, I think you'll do fine, man. I mean, your show is one. We always talked about this. I, I always check out your podcast. If, if you never heard of Unplugged Pro Wrestling, just went through a rebranding, and uh, our friend Tim Jensen, I know, is designing you a new logo. He showed me some of that work the other night, actually two nights ago. And uh, you've kind of switched up your format a little bit. I have been really enjoying when you go after the hot takes from Twitter.com. I appreciate you. There's a lot of cannon fodder from last night. So having to narrow down <laughs> narrow down my options this week is going to be pretty simple. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot to talk about on every podcast because this was, you know, interestingly enough, Royal Rumble 2023, we talked about it in the preview show. How could it not exceed last year's show, which was just dreadful? And, you know, in true WWE fashion, this was an event that was both very bad and very good, depending on which portion of the show you're going to look at. And so with that in mind, Jesse, give me your grade A through F for this, not pay-per-view, a premium live event. I'm going to stick with C+. And there's quite a there's a fair amount of logic that I put into it is would I change any of the decisions that happened over the course or in that event? No. We got from point A to point B in all, all five cases. The men's Royal Rumble was very simple. I felt the the formula was just simple enough and executed good enough. They didn't overthink things there were a few things i would have done different but at the end of the day you had a couple of guys that were elevated into their proper spots who i was very happy to see main event obviously it's the the angle afterwards blew away i think every expectation that i had thought of and then the middle was what really really brought this down to a c plus yeah, I'm, I'm also at a C plus and mostly because of the main event angle. I thought there were some people ranking that men's rumble like all time. And I, I, I am not there at all. I thought it was pretty decent. I mean, way better than last year's, which was terrible. There's some really creative spots that we'll go through here that I'm sure we're going to see now in rumbles moving forward. There's also some botches. Um, I think they got the winner correct. I think that they kind of had to go with Cody. But yeah, you said it. The The middle of the show was a slog to get through. I mean, starting with you do Pitch Black, which is a mess. You take that into Bianca and Alexa Bliss, which was a mess. Uh, you know, the women's rumble was pretty paint by numbers. Pretty so-so. Right winner again, though, I thought. And so, I mean, it was very, very long. But then you get to that that main event. And I mean, it's it's an all-timer. For sure. I, I think we're going to rave about it. If you guys are here checking in live, 
in the chat. Let us know your thoughts as we go. We are streaming on this SE Scoops YouTube channel right now. Top Rope Nation social media, SE Scoops social media. We're on uh, Twitch right now. Facebook. We're streaming, I think, five places right now, Jesse. So getting the show out there and immediately after we get done streaming, I will put the podcast up and I'll be hitting the podcast feeds. But yeah, I'm, I'm at a C plus as well. And let's see, let's where, where's the poll results over on the Top Rope Nation Twitter page? Let me pull that up. Looks like we got 118 votes. Uh, for, about 45% gave it a B, uh, 35% an A, 12.7% a C, 6.8% D or F. Yeah, I mean, I always say on these shows, C is average. If it's going to be an A or a B, there's got to be something that I want to rewatch on it. And I can't say I would want to rewatch any match on this show. I would rewatch the closing angle, though. So that's kind of why I slotted it at C+. It's almost at a B for me. It's 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 better than most WWE pay-per-views have been in the memorability uh, aspect, at least I think you could say um right now as well i see carl patron of the show is is checking in he's got he's got this at a c yeah Meltzer saying this men's rumble was one of the best was a poor take i was shocked i think kyle put that in our facebook group that he had said that i had to look it up and yes indeed one of the best oh boy i don't know dave i don't i don't agree with that at all um it wasn't bad i mean it wasn't up there with your 92s your 98s not even like 2005, um, 2001. Uh, not, I didn't think it was as good as 2020 just a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's, it was okay. Should we get into the show? Absolutely. And then before as well, I was trying to think back to 2010 because Niall Clark, shout out to him in the Facebook group mm. for providing very detailed notes on every Rumble going back from its inception to now. Yeah. Trying to rack my brain from 2010 to now where I would put it. And I think just because... The Royal Rumbles over the last 12, 13 years have just not been good. Most of them, mm-hmm. it's like third or fourth in the last 13 years. And it was just yeah. a hair above average to me. Yeah. For some of the reasons we're probably going to get into. Yeah. I mean, it kind of dragged at portions. Um, I took some pretty meticulous notes. <laughs> they opened with the Royal Rumble, which was a little shocking to me. But then again, this card was so thin that it was kind of hard to figure out a way to slot this to, to keep people engaged throughout the show. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go through it here. So they open up the pay-per-view with this guy from this band called Hardy voicing the intro. And I saw so many people on Twitter and Facebook talking about, like, they thought it was Kid Rock at first. He looked like a chunky Kid Rock <laughs> a little bit. And he's, he's doing this long, extended intro. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think someone's Kid Rock, that's not good. That's not good, Jesse, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to this band later on, or this so-called band later on, and we'll, we'll have some things to say about Hardy. Um, they, were, they, were making me, they were making me want for Jeff Hardy's band, which also wasn't a good thing. This is, uh, yeah. Tom Hardy, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Any other the Hardy. real Hardy boys in the book. <laughs> right, yeah. Give me the classic novels. Uh, yeah, the fiction books, the series. Exactly. Oliver Hardy. Yes. Think about your uh, Laurel and Hardys, so, yes. <laughs> Laurel and Hardy, that, that is a great reference. My dad always had growing up, he had a, like a portrait of Laurel and Hardy in our garage. Classic. All right, so then we get into the arena, and immediately a theme, a theme song comes on, and it's Pat McAfee making a surprise return. Of course, all of these WWE theme songs are so unmemorable 
right now that like who actually knew that was his theme song when it came on you have to look to the video board to see his name plastered to know that's what it is and of course you know michael cole is screaming at the top of his lungs it's like andre the giant has returned to life for something as as pat mcafee is making his way down the entrance ramp and you know i don't know pat is is very hot and cold to me i'm not personally a, a huge fan of his announcing i don't know about you jesse some people really like it some people don't i'm not a huge fan it, it seemed as we went through the show he wasn't really up on the happenings and the storylines right now, which you can't really blame him. He's he's a pretty busy guy. But uh, what do you what do you like like or dislike about his announcing? He injected, I think, some of his tiger blood into Michael Cole when Michael Cole was announcing. Oh my gosh, it's Pat McAfee! I he's a little too over the top for me. I know a handful of people in my circle that watch his show on YouTube a few days a week. He's He's obviously, I mean, WWE really supports over-the-top theatrics when it comes to their characters. So Vince probably made that hire because, oh, this guy's great, pal. And he also, mm-hmm. if I recall, yeah, he interviewed Vince. Yes. Very obviously couldn't dig into nuts and bolts about specific things. He was just basically kissing Vince's ass for two hours. But very I softball. think yeah. very, very, I he's hit and miss with me. They're... Gosh, I'm just trying to think with like him just and then Mike Tyson, by the way, when he's made appearances, like he actually has some pro wrestling knowledge mm-hmm. and I somewhat appreciate it. Whereas it, Pat McAfee, I think it's, it's starting to rub off over the last couple of years, just being around the business and having a different taste and flavor. So I would rank him somewhere in the middle. He can just get a little too over the top for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, he brings an energy, that is for sure. Um, I do like his energy more than Michael Cole, and Michael Cole has been getting into this over-the-top announcing lately and screaming and screeching at you. It's not great. We got we got a lot of that tonight, but let's get to the rumble. All right, so start off the men's rumble right away, and out there for one and two are Gunther and Sheamus. I mean, so clearly a random drawing, Jesse, to get these two out there coming off their hot series of matches you know, last fall. Who who can complain that you have those two? But I mean, there was a lot as people came out where they were clearly pairing up people who had some chemistry. I mean, let's just stop pretending this is random at this point. But yeah, they, they get out there and and we're going to we're going to get Gunther in there right up until the end. He had a great showing. Uh, number three coming out was the Miz. Looks like a total tool walking out there per usual. <laughs> per usual um but it was a, it was a good start with Gunther and Sheamus right away then there's the the Miz as I said he said it's his 14th rumble which is tied for fourth all time and and all I could think of is that is just a, that's bad that's real bad that the Miz has been in 14 rumbles it shows just a complete lack of of depth and building up stars that he's had to hang around for that long but yeah his 14th rumble you get Kofi out there and they immediately say it's his 15th rumble third all-time like this company hasn't changed for the last 15 years that's what was going through my mind when i was hearing these stats and that's why people have been tuning out ryan and one thing that i said on a pre-show yesterday beforehand was i don't really want to see anyone from the attitude era in this event start 
putting over your talents that are, or at least showcasing your talents that are even from NXT, bring mm-hmm. in a couple of those guys, which I know he did a much better job with on the ladies' side. But it's just, it, it's always nice just to see change. And it's really, really difficult when, and we'll get into like the 20s later, when you see somebody from your yesteryear who was in their prime and now they're in their upper 40s, early 50s and still going. It just, it doesn't sit well with the stories that they're trying to tell. No, does not. Uh, no eliminations right away. So you get Miz out there, Kofi, Johnny Gargano at number five. After Gargano enters, Miz is the first to be eliminated. He's taken out by Sheamus. You get Xavier Woods at number six, and then Xavier and Kofi face off a little bit, and you think something interesting is going to happen, but they get into this position where they just start slapping each other's asses, and Michael Cole calls it, the wheel quote the wheelbarrow butt slapper and i just wrote jesus christ <laughs> this was lack of originality nice job michael cole yeah uh number seven carrion cross is out there um mcafee says quote this is brutal to begin with here and i said yes it is because there was not really anything interesting to me at this point uh six guys were leaned up against the other guy in the in the opposite corners of the ring here doing pretty much nothing uh, and this was right. This was kind of funny because right as you had, you know, these three pairs in opposite corners of the ring, and they're just kind of leaning there doing nothing. Cole goes, "Oh, there's a lot of heavy hitters in there." Or there was absolutely no heavy hitting going on at this point. Uh, we get Chad Gable out there. At one point, Gable and Xavier Woods were doing like some amateur wrestling, which was kind of interesting, like a little change of pace. But they didn't show it on the camera for very long. There was a lot of odd, you know, surprise, surprise, a lot of odd camera cuts and angles during this match. And Kyle mentioned this in the Facebook group, and he was texting me about it too, that this really long entrance aisle is so bad for Royal Rumbles because they feel like they have to shoot everybody coming all the way down, and especially in the women's one when it took forever. And it's like, okay, show them coming out on the ramp but we don't need to follow them all the way down this ultra long aisle in a stadium, like cut back to the ring, show us the action. And I felt like every time someone entered, it kept taking me out of the, out of the match. It's twice. Yeah. It's, it's twice as long as was it 92 when Randy Savage went full speed into the ring? Yes. Yes. Yep. Twice. It's yeah. And that entrance I felt was kind of long, but he flew it. Yeah. These, this is ridiculous. And especially, just imagine, I mean, hypothetically, I'm just saying, we all remember the Iron Sheik's entrance from WrestleMania 17. Just imagine if he had to walk to the ring to the Royal Rumble. We yes. would not be doing a podcast right now, Ryan. We'd be waiting until probably Wednesday. Yes, no kidding. Yeah. So, all right. So they, they had the, the part where Xavier and Gable were pairing off, and they both obviously have amateur backgrounds. Um, Woods, I know, wrestled significantly in high school i can't remember if he did in college or not but i know he he did very well as as a high school wrestler gable of course went above and beyond at the olympics and then at number nine you get drew mcintyre out there and mcintyre eliminates carrion cross with a boot to the face at this point is only the second elimination in the match at that point in time then you get at number 10 santos escobar at this point, it felt like there was too many jobbers out there in the ring, and it was just full of them. It was time for just start tossing people. Uh, I wrote in my notes, Drew and Gunther should just go nuts here, just start tossing guys left and right. But it, again, it, it kept dragging a little bit throughout this middle portion. 
You got Angelo Dawkins from the Street Profits coming out and San Antonio Spurs-inspired gear. Of course, if you weren't aware, they were at the Alamo Dome. And then you get uh, another elimination. So Gunther eliminated Xavier Woods with a big kick. Then Kingston was eliminated shortly after by Gunther. They tried to sell it that so he he was jumping out. He hit this chair. It was it was a botch. I think last year a similar thing happened where he's trying to save himself and he botched it and he hit the ground. And Michael Cole like tried to save for it as he was laid across this chair and he's like, no 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 look one of his feet is on the chair but they didn't really move forward with this. It was a botch and um, and he hit his head. Yeah, was, that'll was be a common great. theme here coming up. Yeah, so poor Kofi, two years in a row, he messed up his. His typical acrobatic thing that he's done for years and years and years, which also I don't think we really need to do that anymore. It's kind of played out. It's just no nope. wrestle a good match out there, Kofi. Uh, 12. All right. So here you get your first surprise Brock Lesnar coming out at number 12. And now we're finally going to get some eliminations. So as Brock walks down, McIntyre and Sheamus are all smiles. They keep showing them to they're, they're happy to see Brock. They want to go at it with Brock. Uh, McAfee just screaming into the mic about him being the ultimate alpha male and all of this. And Lesnar takes out Sheamus and Drew to start. Well, he takes them on rather than tossing some of the jobbers out. He goes after those two. Then Escobar comes off the top. Brock catches him, tosses him backwards out of the ring. Ugly, ugly bump. I never went back and watched this. He either hit his back, his head, or both basically came across the ring apron. Brock just like tossed him backwards like it was nothing. Uh, Then he takes out Dawkins and Gable. He gives an overhead belly to belly to Sheamus, who land kind of ugly on his neck. And then you get a a face off with Gunther and Brock. So he had eliminated Sheamus, Drew, and all of those people I went through. What what did you think of this segue here to kind of clean things out a little bit? It's great that he cleaned things out and it makes people who really have followed the WWE over the last two decades nervous that Brock could potentially be overstaying his welcome and maybe pulling off a W. You just never know. There's always that slim chance that Triple H is going to go Vince McMahon on it and rerun with Brock Lesnar in a main event in WrestleMania. It's like, oh no, here we go again. So I did enjoy, obviously, the tease with Gunther and Brock Lesnar. I unfortunately was interrupted, but I mean, it. It. I'm really hoping that that will be a match coming down the road. And my biggest question there is, do they put to do the right thing there and put Gunther over? It's going to be interesting how they book this because they had that tease there. The fans really popped for it. Then right after this, you get Bobby Lashley out there. And Lashley and Brock, I know, has been the plan for Mania. And I assume based on the way this match went, they're going to work Mania. Maybe they get to Gunther before that, like at Elimination Chamber. Maybe they push it down the line. I mean, obviously, people would like to see the match by how how they reacted to this. But yeah, uh, Lashley makes his way out there and he eliminates Brock with the clothesline. Uh, The crowd booed. They wanted to see Brock in there longer than that. They did not like the elimination. And then... Cole points out Lesnar lasted less than three minutes. He eliminated all those people, but he was in the match less than three minutes. And then Brock just starts going nuts. He tosses part of the announce table into the ring. 
Baron Corbin is next to be announced, and Brock continues to to destroy the announce booth. Then he r- runs around the ring and he takes out Corbin as he is entering from you know the ramp area or the walkway, and he gives an F five to Baron Corbin, who's going to be on the outside. Uh, and then Brock tosses a referee into the crowd. Then we get Seth Rollins coming in at number fifteen. Seth comes down. He tosses Corbin into the ring for the first time. He super kicks him and he clones clotheslines him out of the ring as McAfee laughs in the most annoying way possible into the microphone at this point. Sometime around here, too, McAfee, McAfee referenced the cock and then said peacock. And I think that's the first time I've ever heard someone say that. On, like We all joke about it and we call peacock the cock, but he actually said it on commentary at this point. At times, Pat McAfee is one of us, Ryan. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, he made some references to the banger brothers and how how they're not called that anymore. Maybe you have to pay a subscription for that or something like that. That was funny. Uh, I'll give him that innuendos. Yes. He's full of them. Try to bring back a milder version of 1999. Yes. (laughs) And then we get Otis at number 16, uh, looking even more round than usual. Then at number 17, (laughs) Ray Mysterio's theme comes on. But Ray never enters the ring. His his music plays. He never comes out. I guess the word is he was actually legit injured on SmackDown, so that's why he wasn't on the show. During the, you know after they announce Ray, but he never comes down. Rollins eliminated Lashley. Uh, this is that where one Mac- shocked me. Yeah, and then this is where McAfee made the joke about the Banger Brothers. I did have that in my notes here. Uh, and then of course, right after Ray. Dominic Mysterio. What are the odds? Back to back numbers. And he comes out wearing Ray's mask. Cole is on commentary screaming, This kid is an absolute piece of. And they they cut him off. Cole is just beside himself seeing Dominic Mysterio out here. Uh Dominic on the way down, he attempts to like tear Ray's mask and he eventually gives up because he's not quite strong enough to do that. You would have uh, thought that prison would have made him a lot stronger. <laughs> Jesse needs to hire you as a personal trainer. That's a fact. I will say this as well about Karrion Cross. What was your favorite Karrion Cross near the top of the card moment? Mm. You you lost to Rey Mysterio on SmackDown on Friday night, and you were out within the first nine participants in the Royal Rumble. Uh, Nice, nice job. That 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 Infinity Stone that uh, Triple H was acquiring (laughs) is starting (laughs) starting to look mighty bleak these days, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, speaking of bleak, Elias out at number 19, um, right after this, you get a Claymore and a Brogue kick simultaneously to Elias, who then gets tossed right away. Uh, Gargano firing on Dominic, and Cole says, wow, he might be bigger than Dominic. Oh, what a way to put over these guys there. Uh, <laughs> that kind of remind me of like when JR is getting a little ornery and he starts, you know, his his actual thoughts come out there. Kind of, <laughs> no filter in your 70s. Yeah. Wow, he might actually be bigger than Dominic. All right. Poor Johnny, Johnny Gargano. Uh, number 20, Finn Balor. Uh, right after this, Gargano gets eliminated by Dominic and Balor. Teaming up here is the Judgment Day, of course. 21, a surprise. It's Booker T. Booker T comes out. We get the Spinaroonie. I got to think anybody who's actually popping for this at this point was not actually watching wrestling 20, year, 20 15 years ago. Who gives a shit? We get the Spinaroonie. He gets tossed. I mean, I guess if you're going to use a legend, it's fine. Gunther tossed him right away. What do you it's think? near his home team? as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's a Texan. Yep. Uh, Damian Priest, 22. Uh, at this point in time, all the men from Judgment Day are out there and they're going to start teaming together. Montez Ford comes out at 23. Uh, Priest tosses Ford within a minute. Boy, here comes that big singles push. Jesus, come on, man. Montez Ford gone almost instantly. Crowd didn't like that. That was one of the most disappointed things I was, uh, that I, yeah, exactly. One of the most disappointing things in the entire men's rumble for me was his in and out. I think he, his partner Dawkins was in there longer. That just doesn't make any sense to me. 100%. Uh, Edge, surprise return that everyone was kind of talking about. Crowd went crazy for this at number 24. Uh, The Judgment Day, of course, they're freaking out to see Edge back. He was last seen. And I'm going to be honest with you, man, until they said this on commentary, I kind of forgot about the angle that, or at least when it aired, it was at Extreme Rules in October when he was taken out with the concerto along with Beth Phoenix and uh, Edge tosses Priest and Balor. And then you get an Edge Rollins face off. But as they're facing off, Dominic comes in and attacks him from the side, blindsided. Uh, Edge tries to toss Dominic, but he has more trouble with that. And uh, then he did with tossing out Priest and Balor. So I guess Dominic's stronger than we think, Jesse, because Damian Priest and Finn Balor were easier to toss for Edge than old Dominic. I have uh, to add I, this in here as well, though, Ryan. How in yeah. the world could you forget that four-and-a-half-star classic between Edge and Finn Balor at Extreme Rules? Oh, yes. Did Dave have was when we had the... I can't even remember. Yeah, that's... Yeah, four-and-a-half stars, and it went about... A big talk on... Yeah, and it went 20 minutes too yeah. long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I cutting out a little bit? Looks like my network connection dropped a little. Just a touch, yes. Am I good? Okay. Yeah. All right, hopefully it comes back. All right, and then, uh, so as this is all happening, you got Priest and Balor on the outside. Edge is trying to take out Dominic, and basically Balor and Priest pulled Edge out and Dominic officially eliminates Edge. So Edge wasn't out there very long either. Uh, 25, Austin Theory. Uh, Edge was continuing to fight with uh, Balor and Damian Priest in the aisle at this point, and Edge chased Balor up the aisle, fights him, fights with him at the top of the ramp till he gets blindsided by Rhea Ripley. And then right after that, Beth Phoenix comes out for the save, so I guess she was just like standing there at Gorilla watching Ripley come out because she came out right after her. <laughs> Here's your believability. Uh, but she came out. Yeah. Yep, came out, made the save. 26, Omas. 27, Braun Strowman. You get Strowman facing off with Omas. Tries to get the crowd into it. Pretty tepid applause, though. They exchanged some hands and then Braun clotheslined Omas out of the ring. Uh <laughs> Ricochet comes out at 28, and on commentary, I, I don't even know who said I think it was Cole. He's like, somehow Dominic is still in the match. And yes, we were all thinking that, Michael Cole. How is he still out there? Um, Gunther eliminates both Sheamus and McIntyre after uh, Drew nonsens- nonsensically tried to save Sheamus. Is this what happened? I got this in my notes. I thought they were eliminated earlier. I don't even nope. remember anymore, Jesse. Nope. You no, know, you are 100% correct. I remember they, yeah, they were on the edge of the ropes towards the near point of the of the, of the the camera because I know, right. yeah, it was the close end of the ring, pulls him up, and then Gunther just comes right behind him and yeah. dumps them both. It's a big yeah, moment for def- him. 
it never makes sense like why people are trying even if they're their friends trying to save people in royal rumble every man for himself but yeah drew was trying to make the save for sheamus you know i guess they were teaming up helping each other throughout and uh yeah, I think I said earlier Brock eliminated them. He didn't, but the, he was fighting with them right away. Okay. Yes, yep. He knocked yes. them both off their feet. And you, you mentioned loyalty as well. I watched the 2000 Rumble yesterday while my son was asleep. Billy Gunn eliminated the Road Dog out of the Royal Rumble, mm. the New Age Outlaws. So, yes, there's. They, they knew that they were fighting for something. Yes. Apparently, Drew was just a really good Samaritan and wanted to help his, uh, his fellow banger bro. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So we're getting down to it. These thorough notes are about to wind down, you guys. In the next few matches, I don't have nearly as much, and you'll know why as we go through them. But uh, yeah, we get Logan Paul coming out at 29. Of course, that's a surprise. Uh, and everybody gangs up on on Paul. Once he gets to the ring, uh, the place was booing the hell out of him. Uh, Paul and Strowman ended up facing off, and McAfee says that Paul is staring at a meat castle. All right. Number 30, Cody Rhodes coming in at number 30. Cody gets the, you know, the full-on entrance with the dim lights and everything. And he tosses Dominic, then takes a power bomb from Strowman. At this point in time, we get the spot everyone's talking about. We'll probably see this in almost every Royal Rumble in the future now, because it was super cool. Um, but basically, Logan Paul and Ricochet got on opposite sides of the ring. They springboarded off the top rope across the ring, met midair in the middle of the ring, and took each other out with like a double clothesline. I've never seen that before in WWE or AEW, I don't think. It's definitely happened in Lucha Libre. I saw like a GIF or a video clip on Twitter fo- floating around where that move had been done, but it's certainly not a move you would see all the time. And it was, it was spectacular. That was an incredible moment in the match for sure. I was in a state of shock that Logan Paul outjumped Ricochet. Yes, he did. A, yeah, he he's got a tremendous amount of athleticism. And I, he, well, we know now, obviously, he didn't tear his ACL, but he, he had some MCL and PCL issues after his match with Roman at Crown Jewel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for for all of his personality quirks and, you know, why a lot of people don't like him, he's a super athletic kid. And yeah, he does, he does some good stuff out there. So, yeah, that was awesome. And then Cody eliminated... Strowman, uh, after Braun had saved Ricochet from elimination by Cody, Theory eliminates Ricochet, and then we think we're down to the final four. They announce it as the final four. It's not going to be. More on that in a second. But it's Cody, Gunther, Theory, and Seth Rollins at this point in time. And so Cody eliminates Theory, after he hits like a, a sunset flip, and then at the end instead of the pin, he pushes Theory. Rollins comes in from the side, gives Theory a curb stomp, uh, and then he gets tossed. Then Cody and Rollins face off with Rollins saving, wel- saying, welcome back. How's that peck feel? You're not going to do it to me twice. You're not going to steal my spotlight. And they start circling each other until Gunther comes in and breaks it up. And then you get Cody and Rollins teaming up on Gunther. Rollins gives Gunther a pedigree. Cody then gives him a pedigree too. And then they both circle each other again rather than tossing Gunther for some reason. Cody and Seth fight for a bit. Seth goes for a pedigree, but then Logan Paul comes in from out of nowhere and tosses Seth. And they remind you that Logan Paul was never eliminated. So it wasn't the final four. Paul points at the mania sign, gets booed out of the building. 
And then Cody gives him the crossroads and tosses him out. And at this point, we're down to Cody and Gunther, the last two. And they're going to go at it for about seven minutes here. It's one of the best closing stretches between two guys since uh, Taker and HBK back, I think, in 2007 it was. Jesse, this this final seven minutes, did you love it? I really enjoyed it. And I will say real quick on Logan Paul, if he taps into this heel side of himself, I think it's going to make him much more compelling. So let's hope he continues it because I think ever since he stepped foot in the promotion, he's leaned, he's trying to lean into a babyface character that just doesn't suit him. Yeah. Yeah. No, Outside been, of that, he's though, been against the tide the whole time. Yeah. He, he really has. And I'm hoping the people backstage, like the, the true agents that have been in the business will kind of soften him up and educate him that you should be tapping into this. Here's why. But mm -hmm. yeah, those, those final seven minutes were a lot of fun. And there was that one camera angle at some point about halfway through when I saw Cody's peck again. Mm -hmm. And it looked about half of the discoloration that he had when he tore it. I was like, did he re-tear that again? again or did or is Gunther just laying these chops in yeah we all we all know and that's what we've always loved about him I mean he's he's more than just chops folks I I had somebody ask me last night like who who is this guy a casual watcher and I just said he is the best European wrestler in of the decade of 2010s like the guy's yeah. tremendous he's throwback old old school old school performer but he's he's built like a house it's just on a shade of 300 pounds so and that's the one thing i said right before the show started as well when they announced he was the first i said oh walter let's let's go we're gonna see if he gets the iron man spot here mm -hmm. i was surprised that he you made it the full hour and some change you know with all these people getting their names back we'll get into that in the women's match i wish they just start calling him walter again this gunther thing is Lame. I, I still haven't gotten used to it. I just want to call him Walter, too. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. So then, yeah, I, I kind of got some notes on how this all went down. But to, to your point, if if you want to tease that Cody is getting hurt in the pack again, he's this is the perfect guy to pair him off with at the end because, yeah, you're getting those chops. And he, he got pretty red, as you said, in that right pack. And uh, yeah, you got your number 30 and your number one entries here. Gunther has gone almost bell to bell. The chops, as we mentioned, he gets Cody on the ropes. Gunther comes in with a kick. Cody dodges it. Gunther goes out to the apron. Cody goes for a disaster kick, springboard off the middle rope. But Gunther hits him down to the mat, re-enters the ring. Uh, Gunther ended up putting Cody on top on the top turnbuckle. They're fighting up there. Cody falls to the ring apron. On the outside, fights back. He goes back up top. Gunther meets him up there. Gunther super superplexes Cody back into the ring. Cody fights back from underneath and hits the Cody cutter off the ropes. Clotheslines Gunther over the top rope to the ring apron. Gunther steps back into the ring. Cody uppercuts his leg. Cody gets him into the corner with his legs spread, sitting across the turnbuckle, and he, he runs in with a kick that didn't really look like it was anywhere close to connecting in the nuts, but it is sold as such. Uh, they exchange right hands. There's chops. Gunther hits a drop kick uh, and a power bomb. He tosses Cody, but he hangs on to the outside with the ropes. Gunther gives him a chop on the apron. They exchange hands. Gunther puts him in a sleeper, but as he's kind of like passing out, Cody pulls him from behind while he's locked into the sleeper over the top from behind. 
Uh, Gunther escapes. Cody goes up top, but he gets hit in the gut when he jumps into the ring. Gunther lifts Cody, but Cody reverses it into the crossroads. Cody then comes in with a clothesline, eliminates Gunther for the victory. Cody Rhodes, your 2023 Royal Rumble winner on the men's side, points at the WrestleMania sign. He's on the way, Jesse. The right call? It absolutely was. The final elimination looked a little unnatural. I will say it looked like Gunther almost turned his body just as Cody was clotheslining him over the top. So it looked a little awkward mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. I will say the one thing that I did really enjoy about the 2023 Royal Rumble was the the cohesion, again, the point A to point B, getting you're establishing your WrestleMania programs in this match. You, like, I see that Edge and Finn Balor at Mania yawn, yes. But it is being established that that's going to be a program moving forward. You establish that we think Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio are probably going to be a program moving forward. We could see Brock and Bobby. That's going to be another thing. Where in the last couple of years, they've been left scrambling till the last week, two weeks to develop programs for WrestleMania. And it just leaves us as fans, podcasters, etc. wondering what what what's the direction why should i be interested and not giving us those undercard stories and that's something i think that triple h did a a pretty solid job of with this rumble even though at times we mentioned there were too many people in the ring it got clunky but at the end of the day the right result was cody rhodes winning the royal rumble and now we see why it opened this card as well because you didn't want that thought of Sami Zayn entering the Royal Rumble, fans potentially hijacking it, much like a Daniel Bryan situation in 2014. And you you just wanted a clear-cut Cody Rhodes win here. They established that. It was great, and I'm pretty sure fans completely forgot about Sami Zayn with the final two as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they said in the pre-show Sami wasn't going to be in. And when... You know, when this went on first, I figured he probably wasn't going to be one of the surprises. You know, I thought if he was going to be in the Rumble and they were even going to possibly go that direction, that it would be the last match. It would be coming out of something happening in the Roman KO match. But something did happen a little later, which we'll get here to very quickly, because uh, the next portions of this card are pretty bad. And I think we're going to go through them really quickly here, Jesse, because... We got the Mountain Dew piss break, I mean, pitch black match next. Um, sponsored by Spencer's Gifts, as someone said. I think Greg said that over in the Facebook group. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen a Naomi entrance, you know, with the neon, that's basically what this was for the entire time. The lights appear to be bright green. Um, Bray's entrance took forever, as you would expect. People like the entrance, of course, but then as we always say here on the show... And then the bell rang, and this was not much. It was uh, not a very good match whatsoever. I'm not even going to get into the blow-by-blow portion of it. Basically, like I said, Bray had multiple masks. Uh, at the end, after he puts on like this red mask, where apparently like no nothing could hurt him at that point after the finish, it's like, why would you not have worn that mask the entire time? That if that is the case, whatever. I just don't get into this lore stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was a terrible match. Not good. As Kyle would say, not effing good. Um, after the match, so he wins. Bray wins, of course, uh, you know, defeating LA Knight. Then they fought through the ringside area. They get up to the stage where he takes down LA Knight. 
And then, of course, up on top of the stage, Uncle Howdy appears. And he does like a coffin drop to L.A. Knight through the stage with Pyro. And when I say to L.A. Knight, I'm being very generous because he overshot him by like two feet. Like it wasn't even close to hitting him. It looked terrible. Pyro goes up and then they pan up. And of course, the Funhouse puppets are all up there where Uncle Howdy jumped from. And not what I want out of pro wrestling, Jesse. I laughed hysterically when they showed the replay again when he just completely overshot him. It was so bad. It just <sighs> looked like a movie extra just jumping. Or if anybody's seen this horrible movie, Mark Wahlberg's The Happening, I hope you haven't. But if you if you have seen some of the commercials and the previews for it, you see these goofy-looking ghosts and masks just like flying out of the sky and just like jumping out of your screen. That's what Uncle mm-hmm. Howdy reminded me of when he jumped out at the screen. And we yeah. need to absolutely stop with these red lights, these darkened arenas with Bray Wyatt, just quit hiding the fact that he can't wrestle. Yeah. That's enough. I mean, there's a reason he hasn't wrestled in three and a half months since he reemerged at Extreme Rules. It's because he can't go. (laughs) So this character has done nothing for me. I know it's done nothing for you. It hasn't done much for anybody in Top Rope Nation. It's left Mm -hmm. us even more perplexed, confused. This is something that should be in a different genre. And like you said, it just should not be involved in a pro wrestling setting. He's just more apt for these really complex thinking movies, like short films, Rob Zombie-ish, stuff like that. Just not not here, not now. Yeah. He had like these horror movie kind of contacts in. He had this black eye makeup on that made him look like Mantar from back in the 90s if you're watching WWF or even like uh, Ronda Rousey when she puts on all that black eye makeup sometimes it's a very odd look um, but yeah it was like a, a glow in the dark theme basically it was just like a brawl they fought around ringside used the steel steps um, there was like a glow in the dark kendo stick at one point just real bad shit uh, sister Abigail was the finish I mean, I'd give this whole thing an F start to finish. The, the, the big ending they built up to, they totally blew it. Uncle Howdy with the draw. Uncle Howdy. Like, I don't even like saying that. Uncle Howdy. This is terrible. Uh, let's move on, Jesse. He doesn't <laughs> need to unmask ever. Yeah, move on. <laughs> let's just move on. Um, they announced uh, 51,338 for the attendance at this point. And then we get the uh, Raw Women's title match. Bianca Belair defending against Alexa Bliss. Very pedestrian match. They kept it short. Bianca won with the KOD. They had a match on Raw that was better than this one. This was not not great. Uh, At the end, after Alexa loses, the lights flicker. They show a playground. You know where this is going. Uncle Howdy flashing on the screen. All that bullshit. She's going to be paired up with Bray Wyatt again. Alexa, you want to tank your career even more? This is the way to go. I mean, terrible. Terrible. I got, I got no thoughts on this match, Jesse. You, I mean, pretty pedestrian, as I said. I have one question. How did Uncle Howdy recover so fast from overshooting yeah. a late night by five yeah. yards? Oh, yeah. so bad. I, I actually feel bad for Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair. I mean, thankfully, Bianca's moving on to bigger and better things. But poor Alexa, she's 
she's had compelling characters in the past. We we know there's talent there, but for to have her mixed up in this stuff, it just doesn't suit her well. I mean, if she's enjoying the paycheck, great, but I'd like to think she wants more than a paycheck. She'd maybe want to go back to the top of the card someday. Right. It's, I, I mean, it's really I, all I have to say. She was so I interviewed her a couple of years ago when I was writing that comic book, and it was right when she was starting to work with Bray, or like there was at least the rumors she was going to. And she was very complimentary about like what a creative genius she thinks he is. So I'm sure she's doing this partially by choice. And that's really unfortunate because as you said, she is very talented. She's done some really good work in the past, and I was so hopeful that she would get away from this garbage. And the doll and all of that. And we're going down that road again. That's just, oh man, it's, de- it's depressing. She could do so much more. And this is, this ain't it. You had Uncle Howdy asking in this cryptic promo, do you feel in charge? So apparently she won't have her full powers until she returns to that group. Yeah. I'd appreciate her mean girl character again, if that were the yes. case. Yes. Yeah. Have, have her, if Nia Jax is going to stick around, which she was a return here in the women's rumble Ooh. have her bully nia Jax again she deserves it let's have her bully nia Jax. let's go back to that let's go back we to all know who the face and the heel would be in that situation too though it'd <laughs> probably right. flip this time around yeah. yeah now that we know a little bit more about nia Jax, right yeah yeah this was not good very average um and so yeah we go to the women's rumble right after this and you know, at this point, you had those two pretty bad segments, and now a women's rumble, which traditionally have not been very good for a lot of logistical reasons. It's tough for them to do the over-the-top rope eliminations. Uh, they just don't have as much talent in the cupboard here, and they got to usually lean on more legends, although they they brought up some people here, as we'll, as we'll get into, and gave them a shot. So the first two out in the women's rumble were Rhea Ripley at number one and Liv Morgan. And I think pretty much everyone under the sun, us included on our preview show, we picked Rhea Ripley to win this thing. And in the first match with the men, you had Gunther go bell to bell. So I figured right away, I guess they're doing the same thing. She's going to go right till the end, which she did. Liv Morgan came at number two. So Liv had been saying on TV that she wanted to be number one. And they made her be number two, which is just, kind of funny since it's basically the same thing you know you're you're in there from the start anyways you just don't have number one attached to you but clearly they wanted ripley to have number one go to bell to bell as she does um so i I didn't even write down like every single woman that came out in order like i did with the men's match i just wrote down a few highlights it it was you said at the beginning jesse very paint by numbers uh b fab came out at one point she's had very few televised matches Rhea eliminated her um Rhea had a bloody nose early and right after she eliminated Bfab she wiped the blood across her face and McAfee on commentary thought it was lipstick and Co- Corey Graves had to correct him like no that's blood man <laughs> what were you watching it was blood and she's been bleeding for a while now but I think my big problem as it became clear that Rhea was going the stretch was that she just kind of vanished into the background throughout the match. You know, like we were even wondering if she was injured at one point because she wasn't doing a lot. And I saw some people on social media saying that like Rhea was so dominant. I don't know what match they were watching because 
I said that they should have had her just set the all-time eliminations record in this match. She's going to win. Why not do something interesting? Instead, she was just like laying in the corner for minute after minute after minute, and you almost forgot she was even in the match. It was I would have booked her a whole lot differently in this match. What about you? B-Fab, you mentioned number seven. I believe she was the first eliminated too. That was a huge problem in this match was there were too many women in there at once. And Garrett Gonzalez, by the way, mentioned, because I posted, I said, where's Rhea Ripley at this point? She's like, I think that she's injured. It's like, really? Like what? And, and I didn't, I was trying to pinpoint maybe where it happened, how it happened, and never got an answer. And somebody... I think it might have been even in the scrum afterward or the media call had said that Rhea Ripley injured her knee and popped it back into place mid-match. I don't know where that happened, how that happened, but it definitely explains why she really didn't she didn't really have quote unquote full power until Nia Jax comes into the ring at 30 as opposed to her yeah. just lying around and she should have been displayed as a much more dominant figure here. I would have maybe had her come in at 10 and mm-hmm. have her just wipe out the entire ring. And like you alluded to just go on an elimination spree and establish dominance. Yeah. So yeah, in the end, Ripley would have seven eliminations. The women's record is eight. Uh, the men's record is 13, I think, set by Brock in 2020. So yeah, she didn't she didn't get get to the men's record for sure. But yeah, the the order was uh, Dana Brooke was three, Emma was four, Baszler five, Bailey six, Bfab at seven, as you said, and then we got Roxanne Perez, who's kind of local to the area, and the crowd really popped for her coming up from NXT, and she looked really good in there. Like she was clearly one of the most talented people, and. Uh, she she was eliminated after just uh, let me get the minute count on this. She was only in there four and a half minutes. I, I would have kept her out there a lot longer. I thought that that was a big miss on their part. But yeah, she she looked good while she was in there. Uh, one of the very few in this match that really got the crowd behind her. I mean the the crowd was really dying through the middle of this match. And how can you blame them after sitting through the, the Mountain Dew match and then that Alexa Bianca match was really nothing. I mean they were bored really bored at this point. I could not blame them. I think that's a disadvantage of having two rumbles mm-hmm. is the crowd can completely just lose focus. I mean, yep. you and I have been in audiences together where we've lost focus because mm-hmm. one match was just so good that yeah. we knew that the next one was going to fall flat because crowd had fatigue from what they had just witnessed. And you mentioned Roxanne Perez, Roxy from Ring of Honor. And she had just left there as she was their champion. Now she's NXT champion. I think she's only 21 years old. So I could see her in the next three, four or five years being elevated to that top of the card. And you definitely noted that she has the potential to do so. And Texas agrees. I know that she was trained by Booker T at Reality of Wrestling. So yeah, it'll be really cool to see when she does make that jump and how they use her, hopefully to utilize her well. Yeah. So the next few entrants were Dakota Kai at nine, EO Sky at 10, uh, Natalia at 11, Candice LeRae, Zoe Stark, Xia and then Becky Lynch came out at 15. Becky got a big pop and they immediately took her out. (laughs) So like the crowd finally woke up again. She gets down there to the ring 
and damage control just takes her out instantly drew lots of booze and she was just laid out ringside for several minutes and it was like so unfortunate because finally they got something to get the crowd into it and no we're just gonna take her out right away there's just a lot of layout problems with this match i thought puzzling with the with all the talent that they have i should care about Shayna baszler i should care about damage control i should care about candace LeRae. should also care about becky lynch and becky you can argue is really the only one of those women that these folks cared about yeah it's just the, the damage control booking from the start i mean i'd say after the SummerSlam appearance which i thought was great i'm like okay maybe triple h is gonna turn turn at least these three into gold and it just hasn't been the case not winning the women's tag team championships the first the tournament the first time and then winning them in i believe saudi arabia if i remember correctly and it's just been an up and down swing. Bailey's already lost three times to Bianca Belair. Why should I care about her? It's yeah. just, and that just shows this state again of the WWE's women's division when they're getting no time on TV these days either. That's that's controversial. So to see Becky get the short end of the stick a couple of times in the last week is obviously going to probably draw fan attention away from the match that was already plotting to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Total agreement. You got Tegan Knox out there at 16, and then Asuka comes out. Asuka got a big pop. She would end up being in the match for 33 minutes, and Asuka looked great out there. She was like heads and shoulders above everyone, I thought. She she was phenomenal. There's still a lot of potential for her, I think, um, in pushing her. Hopefully they do so. But yeah, the crowd was really into what she was doing. And then we get Piper Niven. That's right. No more Dewdrop. Finally, it changed the name. So she comes out, got a nice reaction. Were you happy to see that? I'm sure she was elated. She probably wanted to know what the F a Dewdrop was. <laughs> Dewdrop? When she was exactly when she was named that. I'm not oh. even gonna attempt the high pitch Kyle Ross voice on that <laughs> one, folks. It, yeah. I, exactly. I can I, I could channel a couple of his, but definitely not to that one. I thought it was fantastic that that they changed her name. I thought it was cool. Hopefully they do something with her and Asuka, who you who you mentioned earlier that she's had she had her biggest run during the pandemic when yeah. Becky got when Becky took some time off because she was pregnant and handed her the title and she ran with it for a while, up until WrestleMania when Rhea took it from her. So hope hopefully they like bring back this Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my I think my internet was cutting a little bit there. But uh, yeah, I, I would like them to keep her more serious as just an ass kicker, which she kind of came, came across in this match, rather than doing like the stupid comedy stuff where it almost seems like they're trying to just make light of the language barrier. It's just terrible. Just let her kick ass. She doesn't need to talk. Just portray her just like she was in this match. You know? It's a throwback to her character before she arrived in NXT. I believe Kano yeah. was her name, and she was mm -hmm. the most feared women's wrestler in the world. So hopefully that we can channel that side of Asuka this time around. Yeah, yeah. So then we get uh, Tamina, who was in there seemingly too long. It was about 12 minutes. Felt a lot longer than that. And then Chelsea Green makes this surprise appearance. She had been heavily rumored to be coming back. Uh, no injury because she was immediately eliminated five seconds chelsea green taken out what a waste i mean the crowd reacted to her you're gonna keep tamina snooka in there for 12 minutes and not give 
Chelsea Green a little bit of burn here. Like, why? What's the point? Why even bring her back for that? I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. That part's confusing to me too. And if I recall, she was one of the four women at All In. Yeah, with Britt yeah. Baker, Diana Perazzo, and I can't recall the fourth. It wasn't Kylie Ray because that's a little bit later. But yeah, she she's always had talent. I guess she's almost been a victim of getting in her own way at times. So mm-hmm. maybe this five second appearance, I don't. I, maybe it's going to paint a light on her uh, getting in her own way again, even though she has just already signed. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. So she was tossed by Ripley. Crowd booed. Then Bailey eliminates Becky, big booze. Then Liv Morgan eliminates Bailey, cheers. It's just like these these big eliminations and some of the big stars happen really quick, and it seemed like they were just trying to clear the way for Ripley's eventual victory here. Uh, we get who else coming out here? Zelina Vega, who was doing like the Street Fighter cosplay, and then they put all these images on the screen you know, promoting Street Fighter. That was pretty cringeworthy, I thought. Just, Pretty, with Zoe Stark as well. Yeah, it yeah. was really goofy. Somebody said, oh, it's a Street Fighter Six outfit. I stopped yeah. playing it too. Yeah, same. <laughs> Mid-90s, it's been a while. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez came out there. She would end up being in there for 20 minutes. She had a good showing. Uh, Mia Yim, uh, Lacey Evans, Michelle McCool. That was kind of creative because they had shown Michelle McCool with her and Taker's daughters out there ringside and then her her entrance music came on and she just like stood up and she was already wearing like the bottoms to her outfit. And she like mm-hmm. took off her jacket or whatever. And, and she went in the ring. She was in there for about 13, 14 minutes. Uh, Indy Hartwell, Sonya Deville, Shotzi with the tank, Nikki cross came running down the aisle. And then, yeah, Nia Jax was your big surprise at 30. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, go back to to Michelle McCool and though like they think four out of those five women that came into the ring, they were taking a very conservative approach to this women's Royal Rumble. Yes, they were. Uh, and in the end, we get down to a final four of Liv Morgan, Ripley, Asuka, and Nikki Cross. Cross was eliminated first. Uh, then they were all out on the ring apron. Asuka went for the mist on Rhea, but she ducks and the mist hit Liv Morgan. Rhea Ripley then kicked Asuka off to eliminate her. Liv was blinded, of course. Uh, so she's trying to attack Rhea Ripley, but she can't see. Uh, she, let's see. Rhea like, was dropped, but she hung on to the ropes. And so she's hanging there by the top rope. Her feet haven't touched, and she used a head scissors to eliminate Liv Morgan to win the match. So I think right. Victor would have liked to have seen her be more dominant. As I said, very pretty much slow and plotting match layout problems. As we went through, not particularly good. There was some on social media saying that this was better than the men's match. Those people are totally out to lunch. This was not anywhere close to the men's match. I saw a lot of it and I would say 25% of those are people that I kind of respect when it comes to pro wrestling. I was like, what? (laughs) For starters, and you mentioned it right away, as soon as Becky and Bailey both were eliminated, it was for, there was no drama whatsoever in the next 10 entrants that who in the world is going to take out Rhea Ripley? There's not a logical choice. They've done, haven't done enough with Asuka just yet. Liv Morgan hasn't 
necessary. She hasn't made a trip. She hasn't made a recovery back yet from that awful showing at Extreme Rules in her entire WWE Women's Championship run on the SmackDown side. Just wasn't good either. I was almost waiting for Charlotte Flair to come in at some point in time, and there to be a Rhea Charlotte showdown to at least mm-hmm. put some drama into it and also make me nervous at the same time because who knows where they go with that direction. So I guess hindsight being twenty twenty, you're kind of glad that they didn't do that. But the one thing that did make me a little bit nervous was and was also impressed with was Rhea's ability to hang on for a good 15, 20 seconds without her feet touching the floor. That was pretty impressive. That was, yeah, that was visually. It was pretty impressive. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it's the right victory. The right victory, I should say. They got there. Wasn't always smooth, but I, I think in the end, both Rumbles did what they should have and in, in who went over. And so after this, it's time for a musical performance. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I can't even call this music. I don't know what the hell this was. This band comes out and I don't know who booked this shit or if they have ever even heard the band. I don't know if I even want to put a clip in for my listeners because it might make their ears bleed. It was bad. It was, I was laughing. It was so bad. My wife came down at this point for like the first time during the show. And I was so embarrassed that this was the first thing that she saw. And she just started laughing. Like, what is, she said, was, was Nickelback busy? <laughs> this was, this was terrible. It oh. was so bad. And people in the crowd were looking around like, what is this shit? It was like, they called it country rock. This ain't country rock, man. I don't know what the hell it was. It was screamo, makes your ears bleed, get it off my screen, doesn't qualify as music, hot garbage. So bad. So bad, Jesse. I think Megan Drosty was the highlight of the Facebook group with those comments that she made in the first three minutes of appearing and watching this. God, she Hardy? so many. Hardy? More like hardly. I mean, it's like, <laughs> so bad. I, I was tweeting like everything reference. she was saying. Oh my God. She was, I was tweeting all the stuff my wife was saying. She was like, everyone's going to think I'm a bitch. <laughs> I was like, no, I they, have to tweet this out. It's so funny. They agree oh, with you. Yeah. At least I would hope oh, yeah, they she, would. She saw Pat McAfee who was wearing like this low cut uh, shirt underneath his blazer. And she was like, who is that guy? And why is he wearing his wife's blazer? oh man yeah so, this was... yeah if you're clamoring for nickelback in this situation then you know you've chosen the incorrect <laughs> yes. artist right to yeah. throw on a royal rumble ple mm. god this was awful this was so awful all right let's get to the main event so finally after sitting through hardy we get roman reigns defending against kevin owens uh sammy Zayn is out there at ringside alongside paul Heyman for the match and boy, you know, as I was watching this, I didn't want to take a lot of meticulous notes because I wanted to just kind of take it in because I knew something major was going to happen. And I guess really it was a fairly good match. I wouldn't say this was a great match. It's all in the ending, which we're going to get to here. There was kind of a scary spot midway through where Owens went up for his like springboard moonsault and he lost his balance and Reigns was moving out of the way and KO came down on him anyways, very awkwardly, like full body. I was a little concerned there that Roman could get hurt, but he he was fine. That looked awkward. Um, in the end, Owens goes for a stunner. Roman pushes him into the official. KO still gets the pop-up powerbomb and covers. No ref then. Uh, so he got like the visual pinfall here on Roman. 
Uh, Roman comes in then with a low blow. Roman asks Sammy to get a chair. He hesitates a bit, which they made a big deal out of, but he ends up getting it. He gives him the chair, but because of the hesitation, KO is able to hit a stunner. Two count. Ref is back now. Uh, Roman hits a spear. Two count. Sammy selling out the, on the outside, like facially, was really great here. Really good stuff. Uh, KO ends up on the outside near Sammy, and he almost is like reaching for him to like help. He's almost beat. He's barely conscious. And Sammy's yelling at him, just stay down. What's wrong with you? Just end this. Just end it. KO reaching for him for help. Roman runs in, spears him through the barricade. Spears Owens through the barricade. You know what was cool about that, Ryan? Yeah. It wasn't the stereotypical barricade that he was speared through. It's usually the one that's right by Michael Cole and the timekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was like opposite corner. Yeah. This was over kind of by the entranceway. And uh, Roman asks, let's see. Yeah. Roman throws him back back first into the steel steps at this point. This was brutal. It looked like he really kind of like snapped his head on the edge of the stairs. It, and then he did it. There was this guy in the front row. He's like, do it again. So Roman did it again. And he throws KO again onto the stairs. So like, imagine he's straight in front of the steps. It wasn't like from the side. And he throws just backwards, like right into the, the hard edges of the stair. That looked pretty, pretty bad. Uh, props to KO for taking that. Sammy is horrified watching this. Uh, Heyman is then screaming about acknowledge your tribal chief. And mm-hmm. Sammy puts the one in the air, of course. KO tries to fight back. He gets speared again. This time Roman covers, gets the three count. 881 days and counting. And uh, Roman's still your champion. We'll get to the aftermath here in a second. But any thoughts on the match that I didn't talk about, Jesse? Go back to that spot you're talking about, the steel steps. So there's a gentleman, David Pickett, kind of a friend of mine, who I met through my best friend when he got married in March of last year. Found out he was a wrestling fan. He listens to my show. He might listen to your show. I hope he listens to your show after this. He was wearing an orange sweatshirt, and he, I don't, was it him that yelled out, do it again, Roman? Because he was there with his wife and their 16 year old son, right directly in front of everything that was going on when mm-hmm. Kevin was pleading with Sammy for help, when okay. Roman slammed him into the steps. And I just went, You are the luckiest SOB right now. I wish I could trade places with you just for these next 30 minutes. Cause, yeah, yeah the visual is just. Awesome. And I I really enjoyed usually not a really big fan of ref bumps, but it it really led to the to the pretty much the only drama of the match. So yeah. it, it, it made sense in this scenario. And of course we all knew Roman was gonna win, but at least make it a little bit climactic and they did the best they could. We just all know yeah. that uh, the best was yet to come. Yeah. So after the match, I mean this is this is gonna be an all time this is an all-time great payoff to an incredible story. We've said for months on the show that the bloodline, Sami Zayn, is like the only thing worth watching on WWE television. And it's worth watching. It's that good. It has been incredible, the writing on this. And so what happens, and we'll talk about where this ranks historically in a second, uh, but after the match, basically the bloodline was just beating the hell out of Kevin Owens. You got the Usos, you got Solo Sokoa doing all this damage to him. They end up handcuffing Kevin Owens to the ropes, and he's just kind of leaned up against the ropes, handcuffed to the top rope, stretched out, just all dead weight there. 
and he gets a Roman Reigns gets a metal folding chair, and he's about to smack KO, you know, totally unprotected with this chair. And then Sami Zayn steps in. He tells Reigns that you've done it. You're better than this. He's had enough. You know, you're, this is beneath you. And everyone ooh and ahs when Sammy stepped in to stop it. And Roman's confused and he starts nodding. And he's like, you're right. You do it. You deliver the chair shot. You know, basically prove your loyalty to us. So he hands the chair to Sammy Zayn. Sammy stares at that chair. He's hesitating. And then Reigns just goes after him. Reigns was screaming back and forth at KO too about how uh, he was holding down Sammy, and, and Roman was saying he loves Sammy. And so now he's trying to get into Sammy's head and telling him about how much he's done for him and he's helped his career. And Owens didn't do that for him, hit him with the chair. And Roman walks a couple of steps away, and Sammy picks up that chair, and boom, he hits Roman in the back. And that place erupted. I mean, this is one of the loudest pops you will ever hear at a WWE event. It was incredible, like pure magic. Amazing stuff here. Nobody knows what to do. Roman drops down. He looks confused. The whole bloodline can't believe it. Jey Uso is like, first he's kind of like shocked and he's kind of covering his face. And eventually, you know, everybody starts beating down Sami Zayn, except Jey Uso, who at one point is sitting on the top rope just watching and he doesn't know what to do. Because remember, Jey was the guy who, when you go back a couple of years, he was feuding with Roman. And so that's that's a long aspect of this story that can play out too. They can go into all of that. But then the fact that he was the guy who didn't trust Sammy all those months. And now he he likes the guy. He believes in him and he doesn't wanna he doesn't wanna beat down Sammy Zayn. So you know, all the rest of the bloodlines looking at him and they don't know what Jay's doing. The crowd starts chanting for Jay, and Jay just leaves. He walks out, <laughs> walks up the ramp. Place went crazy for that too. And eventually, uh, you get Reigns and the Usos and, and Sokoa heading up the aisle. He's still the champ. Owens and Zayn are laid out in the ring. And that's the end. I mean, this was an incredible moment. Jesse, your thoughts? The beat down, the ripping off the little pedals to the lay and sprinkling them on Sammy and just the brutal ripping of the t-shirt afterward was a sweet touch yeah. jay's confliction see i that's what i actually one of the immediate things i thought about could you mentioned it was within the first couple of months of roman's title reign that he feuded his first feud was with jay uso yeah. and yeah the hell in the cell match was very good 
Mm-hmm. That that was a that was a very good uh very good bout, and I believe I don't remember when Jimmy made his return, and then whenever that happened, that's when the bloodline was formed, and there were still little wrinkles where it started to get boring, and then they Solo gets added, and then Sammy for whatever reason just gets thrown in there, and all time angle for sure. Which again, it's a big reason. It's honestly the only reason to be watching WWE programming these days. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk about, you know, best angle in the last 20 years. And I think you said this off air too. The only one that comes to my mind is the Batista turn with evolution that, and we're talking like scripted angle, by the way, because there's been other stuff that's happened. Like Daniel Bryan's rise that was pushed by the fans. It wasn't like they scripted that to happen in exactly the same way. Like the fans kept having them change the narrative because they hijacked the shows. Um, yeah, and no matter what Punk says, you know, the pipe bomb was great, but that was all planned. They told him to go out there and say what he wanted, and that was very brief, too. And this was this is a multiple months-long storyline, and when it comes to storytelling in the WWE, it's outside of that evolution angle. It is really tough to think of anything that has been this well done with so many wrinkles and details in the story, acted out so well by everyone involved, and then the payoff to connect like that. And we're still not all the way through, you know, we got to have the match still. There's a good debate. They should do Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, you know, Cody won the rumble and it would appear that they were, they're going to do Sammy and Roman in Montreal. Of course, he'll have the hometown crowd up there. Probably Jay Uso costs him. And then they get the tag match with KO and Sammy against the Usos, you know, and, Jay goes back with the bold. I'm guessing that's probably what's going to happen, but I don't know. I mean, this is all in flux because it's hard to deny the momentum this guy has right now. And it sucks for Cody Rhodes, who went through months and months and months of rehab to have this spot. And he was absolutely the right guy to win the Royal Rumble. But man, there's sure an argument to put Sami Zayn in that match at WrestleMania. I guess you could do two matches, but that kind of loses the luster a little bit i think so i don't know it's it's almost like an embarrassment of riches here because they've got two really good options i think they're both good options but this sammy thing i mean you got to strike when the iron's hot and this is one of the best stories they have done ever and it's on fire i'm going to play the audio if i haven't already of when he hit that chair shot the way that crowd reacted was pretty damn magical and I don't know what they're going to do. They've they've got, uh, you know, Hunter was asked in the post-show scrum uh, about the pressure he feels building to his first WrestleMania as head of creative and if it's a, more excitement or pressure. And he said he definitely feels the pressure. I mean, he's got a lot of pressure on him right now to play this one off perfectly and not upset anyone. You know, I don't know what direction they should. I don't know the answer. I got to think about this some more because, you know, going in, I was pretty set on, Still got to do Cody. But after watching the way that this played out, it's a really, really strong argument for Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. What are you thinking right now? Before we get into that, think about the Raw 30 moments because it's almost like that time period. And yeah. most of your Raw 30 moments in Kyle like eloquently went through them all. That 90, Most of them took place in 97 and 98. Yeah. So there really isn't from a story perspective and consistency all across the board that this has been going on since Sammy. It's been six months plus, but you could obviously go back a couple of years because now you're throwing the J wrinkle in. I have an interesting scenario that you could play at Elimination Chamber that 
I think I've seen one person mention, and I wouldn't mind if they went this direction at Elimination Chamber. You have a six-man tag. You go Sammy, Kevin, and Jey Uso against Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, and Roman Reigns. And you do something dastardly there. Maybe that's where Jay turns his back on Sammy and Kevin. Then you have that tag team, that that tag team match at WrestleMania to take some heat off of Sammy and Roman for the time being. I because there it's it's a rock and a hard place right now, Ryan. It it really is. Yeah. I mean, it was it was super simple. A few months ago, but then all of a sudden, Sami Zayn's getting so much sympathy. All you can think of in your head is Brian Danielson in 2013-2014. The, uh, the true underdog story, and we we all love good underdog stories. And Sami is one of the most sympathetic baby faces. He's a great heel, too. But yeah. from a baby face perspective, in a promotion where they haven't had a true baby face in two decades we go back mm-hmm. to that as well you might have struck iron here because who who knows if cody rhodes is that sympathetic baby face that's going to take that title from roman the crowd could turn on him on a dime we we don't know i think i know i'm kind of talking myself into circles here by saying sammy and kevin versus the usos but the options are are a plenty so you could maybe draw it out a little bit longer. I don't, can it go, can it, ah, no, I don't think it can go another six months to to SummerSlam. That'd be too long. Yeah, this is the problem because, I mean, we're still two months away from Mania right now. And so it just feels to me like if you don't pay off the Sammy Roman match in the next two months and you delay it, you're going to lose so much. This this, is really difficult. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't envision, it feels like you got to have Sammy be the guy to beat Roman now. And I don't, think that Sami Zayn's going to be like a long-term champion he doesn't have to be to have that moment you know WWE is always they make moments and it'll be a hell of a moment I don't think you're going to be crowning the next great babyface champion for the next five years in Sami Zayn I just think it would be topping off what's been an incredible story he doesn't have to be the torchbearer to do this match at WrestleMania like I said it sucks for Cody Rhodes because Cody's more likely to be that guy for them, although he might yes. not be either. But also, like, the timing is just not working out for him. <laughs> you know, he won the Rumble, so I'm sure they feel kind of like they got to do that match. I don't think you can do a three-way where you do Sammy, Cody, and Roman. No. I think that takes away from it. I don't think you can do mm-hmm. that. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they go about this. But, I mean, I don't envy the decision-making. I'll be interested in what they do. I'm, I'm really into it. Uh, so I, I have a reason to watch WWE television now. I can skip a lot of the other stuff that we went through, but I'll be tuning in for these segments still. Do they? If we give you the Booker pencil, do you go Sammy and Roman at Elimination Chamber? I'd probably lean that way right now just because, I mean, it's Montreal too. It's going to be an incredible, they always have a great crowd. And then you add in, it's like the hometown kid against Roman too. He's not going to beat him there, though. Like, if they do it at Mania, it feels like he would beat him. So, boy, I I feel like it's... If I if I had to guess, and I had to make a prediction, like, right now, January 29, I would say they'll probably do that at Elimination Chamber and then stick with Cody and Roman at Mania. But 
a lot can change in the next, geez, two months, let alone the next 24 hours. So we'll see. So you are you of the belief then that you would still have Roman win in Montreal? And then what do you do with Sami Zayn going from there? So I would think that Jay, who's been, you know, will have been conflicted now for weeks, will cost Sammy the match, that he won't lose clean, and then we'll still get the tag match at Mania with uh, the Usos and, and KO and Sammy. Yeah. That would be, that'd be my prediction. I'm not saying that's what I would do. I just think that that's the route that they'll go. But what do you think? It does make sense. Cody is more of the corporate type, I think, that yeah. World Wrestling Entertainment's looking for to carry this ball, and Sami Zayn isn't. Cause well, they always they always send the guy like on the you say corporate, you know, the talk show circuit around the time of Mania, or if they win like right after Mania, and he totally fits the mold. He's very well spoken. Not that Sami isn't, but Cody really, yeah, fits that image for sure. Because I would love to see just just paint a different light. Let's just say that Sami Zayn were to get a match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania instead, or Roman defeats Cody on night one, and we'll say hypothetically Sami defeats Roman on night two. What I would love to see is, and you could paint this at SummerSlam, you get a program down the line where Kevin turns again on Sami. Mm-hmm. Kevin defeats Sami at SummerSlam and wins the wwe unified universal championship and the guy signed for three four million a year and he he got screwed over in his first run as universal champion i mean he was another victim to goldberg i mean why not actually give him something more meaningful and give him a better ending i think that that would be really cool because anytime you get sam sammy and kevin together whether they're friends or they're enemies it's absolute gold. And who would have thought that we would get two former Ring of Honor, PWG, Canadian stars on WWE programming in the hottest angle along with a humongous Samoan bloodline for the WWE in the last two decades. It's it's amazing. And yeah. we love it. Well, I mean, hey, they're firing, firing on half cylinders right now. The rest of the card has got to... <laughs> pick it up a little bit but i I, it's very top heavy but the top heavy stuff as we said is really really good right now so it's a great ending to the show people will be talking about this one for a long long time check out the ending at least to this if you missed the pay-per-view you will not be disappointed they executed this perfectly and you know let us know your thoughts you can join the facebook group search top rope nation pro wrestling discussion you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E. He is at Jesse C. Velasquez. And uh, yeah, Patreon.com, best way to support what we're doing. I released our classic show on Royal Rumble 94 yesterday. If you want to become a patron, you can find the link in the broadcast description. We dropped three hours of bonus content last week. So if you like the main feed show, you're missing like half our content if you're not a patron. And uh, yeah. Good stuff that's already available there. That was our 100th bonus podcast, Royal Rumble 94. So you get access to all of it the minute you sign up. We do have anniversary billing now. So if you sign up at the end of the month, you're not going to be rebuilt at the first of the month. You you will be billed your $5 a month like on the date you join monthly. So I know sometimes people at the end of the month, they would not want to join until the first. It's no longer an issue. We got anniversary billing now. So if you want to sign up, you can do it ASAP. If not, of course, we appreciate you supporting us on the free feed. Leave us a written review, five-star rating. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to the SE Scoops channel where we are streaming right now. And you can subscribe to our home YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Nation. 
where you will find our archives going back to 2016. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us and let the listeners know where they can find your work. Yes, Jesse C. Velasquez on Twitter. Wrestling you and you on Twitter, Google, Apple, and Spotify is where you can find the Unplugged Wrestling Podcast, brand spanking new branding, logo coming down the pipeline very, very soon. And if Andrew and Thomas don't scoop every single article on the weekends, I do write <laughs> at SE Scoops on Sundays. It's 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 tough. They they pick up a lot of things. On top I of mean, things. yeah, that really just goes to show the the true dedicated work that SE Scoops does. They're doing a wonderful job, and I'm extremely happy that this partnership is taking place with with Blue Wire for you guys as well. I'll put over your Top Rope Nation Patreon group as well because the one thing that, or the Facebook group, but the one thing that their Patreon shows always do is it really makes you think logically about what's going on in the pro wrestling landscape and also takes you back through yesteryear and giving a true deep dive into great historical events. And they will also tie it together with stuff that's going, that's happening today. So if that's not a reason to subscribe to their Patreon as well, do so. Great. Appreciate that. Very nice, sir. Yeah. Check it out. Check out Jesse's podcast. It's great stuff. I listen to it every single week and uh, yeah, scoops.com for your wrestling news. We've got a great team that we have put together over there. So we will be back with you very very soon thank you for tuning in it's been episode 282 top rope nation have a great week take care see you soon